Thank you for downloading the Aging Matters podcast. To find out more about how Transitions Life Care is providing care and comfort for life's changing needs, visit transitionslifecare.org. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. News, talk, traffic. Good afternoon to you. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett representing Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. Nicole, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. You know, we're, we're getting closer to our Virtual Caregiver Summit, so we're getting pretty excited about that. And I'm really excited to have on today's guest who actually represents the underwriting sponsor for our event this year. It's a very exciting time, and don't forget, you can go to caregiversummit.org to register for free to attend this year's Virtual Caregivers Summit, and the aforementioned person is Jenny Griggs, and she is the Program Director for Senior Centers with Resources for Seniors. Jenny, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. So similarly to uh, how we've had to transition from in-person conferences and, gosh, in-person school and in-person, you pick it, right? We've had to transition our programming for aging adults to a virtual platform as well, correct? That's correct. And, in fact, I um, I named the title of this virtue knowledge of um, senior centers. And the reason I used the word virtue, it was questioned, they thought I had a typo, was because um, the definition of virtue is to bring out the good qualities inherent in a person or thing. And I look at COVID-19 as, even though among the many changes that we've had to uh, have during this pandemic with the virus and subsequent shelter in place orders, a lot of good has been brought out. Communities are coming together and our population is forced to learn things they didn't want to learn or didn't think they needed to learn. So I think this this has sped up the technology industry among our aging population quite rapidly. And for that reason, it's, it's a good thing. That's awesome. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate the fact that you have that sort of spirit about you and, and what you're trying to do with the older adults. And, you know, one of the things that I feel like um, – one of the gifts of COVID-19 is perhaps it has pushed us to try things with groups of people that we would have never tried maybe for five or seven more years. And so um, this has obviously really helped push you guys into a different direction as well. Yes, there's no doubt, Nicole. But when this first started, I I had not been with the senior center very long. And so we actually didn't even have our official opening. Everything was planned for programming as usual. And I actually, at that time, I wrote an article uh, with the Resources for Seniors in the Engage with Age column about technology and how behind we were with technology. And then come to find out two weeks later, here we are. And those statistics from when I started have changed, you know, quite rapidly. Uh, In fact, a survey, recent survey, showed that 28% of seniors had downloaded a new app, and 7% have tried a video conferencing tool in this COVID-19 pandemic. And I found that quite amazing, whereas before, only like 11% of all Americans did some of that. And now it's all about 
the senior population doing it, which is great. Yeah, you know, several months ago, um, and, it, and it's sort of with a different hat on, I had interviewed a what she calls herself as a gerund technologist out of Israel. And this was before the COVID-19 pandemic, and she was talking to me about really um, – the mistakes that the United States, from her perspective, uh, is making related to just making assumptions about older adults and the use of technology, whereas in other parts of the world, technology is really what weaves people together. And so she was really challenging a lot of those assumptions that we make. And then lo and behold, a few months later, bam, we're in a pandemic and we can't see each other. We can't touch each other. We really need to keep older adults safe. And, you know, they're their most vulnerable population. And, you know, it was really interesting to me because a lot of the things that she said that we were doing wrong in the U.S. from a technology standpoint really came true. And because, yes, overall, I mean, people have really embraced this. Yeah. Well, we've been, Resources for Seniors has been great in allowing us to use our creativity. And uh, we have a young man here by the name of Mike Hardy. You know, I say, I come up with the crazy ideas and the rest of the team does, and then he implements them, which is great. And, you know, we found that in order for all of our virtual programming to be successful, there's a huge need out there to, for companies to bundle their connectivity. There have, people have devices because such a small number of the aging population actually has updated devices that you can do all these things on. And then the other thing is training, which has probably been one of the key things we've been able to do. We have a group of seniors called the Zoomers. <laughs> that by phone, when some of our population needed assistance getting online um, or watching our programs, these high school kids would call them and work with them on a one-on-one basis. So in, last month alone, we had 1,033 participants in our virtual programming. That's amazing. That's great. So I think that's pretty significant. And just we out of curiosity, Jenny, um, how does that compare yeah. to the what you would have normally expected with in-person? If, if, if life was normal, how many people might you have actually served in-person in that same month? That's a great question, and that's hard for us to answer because, um, speaking in terms totally of the Wake Forest Center, we had just opened and gone from about eight to 9,000 square feet to 18,000 square wow. feet. So we were seeing crowds that we had never seen before. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I believe that it it would be pretty close because we've been able to reach people. And I told the story yesterday, one of the most touching, I think a woman that had lived in the Wake Forest area called in and one of the people who work here came and got me. And they said, Jenny, this lady's in Panama. I said, Oh, Panama city, Florida. And they said, no, Panama, Panama. (laughs) I I said, what, what do you mean? So it come to find out this woman from Wake Forest had gotten stranded because of COVID in Panama. Wow. And she said she was getting our link and she's doing our classes. And she said we were the only connection she had here. Wow. So I think the thousand number outreach is significantly unique in that we've been able to reach others in ways that nothing has. There is, we have a division of programs. We have, you know, all forms. We have the physical, we've got exercise classes, we've got instructional classes, and and, you know, since Resources for Seniors serves older adults and adults with disabilities in Wake County, we have access to all kinds of speakers and educational seminars. We're even hosting a COVID drive-through, a COVID rapid drive-through here. Um, So people are learning about it virtually. 
So talk to us a little about some some of the more creative things that you've been able to do online that people may not even think that could possibly exist. Well, I think one of the ones that's made people smile the most is Name That Tune. <laughs> um, we've reached out, and a lot of the local independent living and assisted livings have been able to join in. And the smiles that you see even on people that are in bed or, you know, one independent living facility, there's a couple when they were, you know, crammed in their rooms, I mean, they were laughing and smiling, and they said it was one of the first things they, that brought them joy. And, you know, we had a wonderful sponsor with Aetna that's been doing that every week. Uh, that's that's one of the unique. We we have also virtually had attorneys, and an attorney has done, we've got probably six of her videos on our YouTube channel. We've done Bible studies. We were doing Bible studies before churches were open back to having any kind of virtual programming. So, you know, the outreach has been in all domains of wellness. And from spiritually to, to economic, uh, it, you know, which it's, it's just been it's just been amazing. People every day, I say they're God winks. Every day we get another surprise and a God wink. Every day. So I bet you're having some similar thoughts as I am with with trying to coordinate the virtual caregivers summit. That there are some lessons learned, and so let's just pretend. Hopefully, in six months, we start to come out of the shadows of COVID nineteen, and places begin to open, and we're able to resume programming as we used to do it. I bet. Uh, because of the stickiness of a lot of these virtual and success of a lot of these virtual um, wellness opportunities that you've provided, similarly to the upcoming Caregiver Summit, we already have almost 700 registrants to that. Um, I bet you will continue to do a lot of these virtual pieces to reach people that may not otherwise be able to come out of their homes to actually get into the senior centers. Or, or am I putting words in your mouth? No, you no. <laughs> You're dead on. We we will always now have a virtual platform. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all of the holistic elements will be offered virtually one way or another. Because especially in the older, old category, I don't think we're ever going to see them back here. Yeah. And, and that's not, you know, that's not because they don't want to be. It's just because, a one, it's a habit. You know, people develop habits. And on average, it takes more than two months before a new behavior becomes automatic, 66 days to be exact. And the reality is, how many days has it been? So, Over 100. You know, people that are prone to habit, yeah. I don't think we're going to see them. You know, they, they, they found a new way of getting things done and a new way of, you know, trying to stay healthy and have a, a good lifestyle. So it's going to be very, very, very interesting. And we did a survey of um, our age group populations, and, you know, that was quite telling as to, you know, how many people were responding. In fact, we had 75, about 75% of our members respond to the census because of what we were pushing through online and, and trying to educate them as to what to do. So if folks want more information about how to participate in your virtual online events, how would they go about and do that? They can go to the Resources for Seniors website, or they can call uh, one of the senior centers, and I'll give them a phone number and get on our mailing list. And when I say mailing list, I laugh. It's not mail. It's email. So anybody can get the, be on our email list. And you can take a look at the platforms, what we have to offer. 
And if anybody is out there that wants to teach a class or has something that they'd like to share, this is a new way of finding out who all is out there. So the number that we can be reached at is 919-554-4111. That's 919-554-4111 or resourcesforseniors.com. Excellent. Jenny, thank you so much. You read that like a pro. You did my job. Resourcesforseniors.com. And again, she is Jenny Griggs, Program Director of Senior Centers with Resources for Seniors. Jenny, thank you so much for taking some time out to speak with us this afternoon. Okay, thank you. Now, no problem thank at you, all. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. Joined by Nicole Cleggett from Transitions Guiding Lights. Here's your host, Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. You can find more about Transitions Life Care at transitionslifecare.org. And you are listening to FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. I'm Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we're going to shift gears here a little bit and we're going to broach the subject of uh, LGBTQ seniors. And, you know, it's uh, always a, a challenge during the pandemic, but, you know, we always want to make sure that our, our seniors are in good hands and taken care of. And we want to look out for our LGBTQ community as well. So we're going to touch on the subject of growing old and not going back into the closet. And to have that discussion, we're welcoming Les Geller, the program coordinator of Sage Central North Carolina. Les, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm very appreciative of you shedding some light onto this topic. And I would like to just, if we could, just take a step back and kind of um, paint the picture of older adults that may be in the group of the LGBTQ community and sort of what that has been like for them because my guess is, and it may be an improper assumption, that somebody who maybe is in their 70s, 80s, and 90s may have had a different life experience than those that are in the same group that are perhaps in their 20s or 30s. Yeah, well, you're entirely correct, Nicole. Um, some of our elders, um, the oldest the oldest segment of our elderly population, uh, came of age during a time when it was actually illegal to be LGBT. Um, People could go to a club and congregate, and the club could be raided for just any reason whatsoever. Everybody who was in there could be arrested. And frequently, the next day in the local newspaper, you would have a, a list of everybody who was there and who was arrested, which would kill their careers and ruin their reputations, because in those days, it just uh, was not the thing to do to be uh, a member of the community. So um, you can imagine, as these people came through life, overcoming these kinds of obstacles and and things kind of opened up they still were reluctant to to trust the um the, the police department the the medical uh establishment because at that point even being lgbt although in those days they're called just gay mm-hmm. um was considered a mental disorder uh, by the american medical association so they they were you know from the start they were condemned as having uh, an illness which needed to be cured 
And so, of course, they would delay going to a doctor because they didn't want to deal with a doctor who might find out they were gay as well. So all these things happened in their lifetimes. And uh, all of a sudden now they're seniors. Uh, they may be alone. Their partners or spouses may have passed. Um, they may have been alienated from their families over the years. Uh, many of their own friends have died, especially with the HIV-AIDS crisis. And now they're living in, let's say, assisted living or affordable housing or uh, skilled nursing. And uh, they are they are just afraid to let anybody know who they are, um, that they're a member of the LGBTQ community. Um, so they I, go back in the closet. And, and I think, um, you know, so, uh, I sort of talked about, had this topic in the past, you know, mm-hmm. uh, quite some time ago with different people have touched on this. And one particular area I felt like touched on it pretty well was that whole conversation about the elder orphan. And, you know, so one of the challenges uh, may be that, you know, these groups of people, as you're saying, they may not have had children. Like you said, their families, you know, just they didn't welcome them. And so they sort of went on on their own. And then when it comes to the time when they start to have a chronic condition, such as Alzheimer's, dementia, ALS, you name it, just the frail elder, and they're starting to need those Mm health care supports, a lot of times they don't even have anybody that they can necessarily trust with what their wishes would be. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we've had stories of people um, uh, in that situation because of the, you know, inherent in folk, uh, homophobia within the uh, organization, um, they may be um, mistreated. They may be proselytized. Uh, they may get, be ignored. And, and another major factor is also the other, the other residents of that facility who um, may have not such great filters in their behavior mm-hmm. if they if they find out or if they even suspect that somebody is is LGBT uh they can be pretty cruel and right. it's it's a, so you know the easiest way out is to just make yourself a, a a safe space and don't let anybody know anything about you but can you imagine what life is like if you're living that way all by yourself? No, no I can't. It's a pretty tough life. Yeah. And I remember, gosh, I'm dating myself pretty significantly now, but over 20 years ago when I worked in skilled nursing as a social worker, uh, we would from time to time have families that would come to us and place their loved one in the building. Um, and at that time, there were not a lot of rooms that had um, – that there were private rooms, and I remember okay. the great conundrum because it really wasn't ever spoken of even you know prior to 20 years ago in these long-term care communities. So one of the great conundrums and part of the work groups that I was on was, well, you know, they would often not allow an unrelated male and female to be placed um, in, in a room together just because, just, you know, in case you know, for privacy reasons or things like that. So then when you had Mm -hmm. someone who is LGBTQ who wants to be admitted into the building to be placed, what would typically be two males in a room or two females in a room, that created quite a conundrum for the staff. Well, how do we we deal with this now? Um, And and it really did open up a lot of interesting conversations. And obviously the advent of a lot more of these buildings now have remodeled and made most rooms private. And so there's probably less of that going on. But I do remember, you know, us trying to have conversations about, well, what do we do? And we don't want to out a person who, because these, a lot of these times these people wanted to be very private. Um, you know, how do we handle right. this? And then there's another consideration too. Um, supposing an elderly person needs to be 
put in a facility, but they're married and or or partnered. Um, what what do what does the partner do? Does he have to stay away because he, he's afraid that if if he comes in, he or she comes in to visit, that two and two will be put together, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you've got a scandal on your hands. Mm-hmm. So you know it's it's a very tricky situation all around. So what can we do uh, to help support this community as they age? Well, um, we as SAGE have actually done trainings, and in fact, we've we've done training for transitions. Um, And we have a committee that goes out and will train facilities, will train administration and staff um, as to how to how to help people in that situation. Um, But of course, part of that is determining who in your facility is LGBT. And um, we, we often say that the, the, the intake paperwork can, can tell a very large tale. Um, a lot of people think that it's inappropriate to ask people about their sexuality when they're entering a facility like that. We, on the other hand, think that it's a great thing because you don't have to answer the question but if you do, at least you're aware that they are cognizant that there is a difference um, with the life experiences of LGBTQ people, and and they're acknowledging that, and um, maybe that means that they're they're better able to handle the situation if 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 anything unusual or, or uh, unfortunate pops up. So we you know we. we recommend to these facilities that that they make it known that they they're aware. That um, they need to be that the that the community needs to be acknowledged, and that's that's the beginning of how to make a safe space. I started to say also, we do have an education committee that will go out to facilities, do trainings for the administration and the staff. Occasionally, we do trainings for um, residents as well. Uh, that's a little bit trickier because a lot of the residents probably are not interested in having that kind of training. Mm-hmm. But but again, we know it's an acknowledgement that this is a, a facility that cares about the community, and that's very important. Well, I definitely appreciate all of that type of work that you're doing. What about uh, just general people in the community, you know, we may have friends, we may have neighbors, we may have people in our faith-based community that are seemingly alone and, you know, maybe an uncomfortable question to ask them why. But what can we do just in our general community to make these groups of people feel safe um, to reach out and, and to get support if they need it? Sure. Well, we advocate that if, if you're interested in reaching out to the community, you have little telltale signs, like <clears throat> you might have... Uh, a, a, a rainbow sticker on a front door, or you might have a newsletter which actually has once in a while, um, say a book club that does a, a, a reading of a book that deals with LGBT issues. Um, and, you know, if, if things like that pop up a few times, then you'll begin to get some interest and maybe you'll even get a, a group of LGBT residents um, started, uh, kind of an affinity, affinity group. Um, but it also signals that, again, this is a facility that values the life, the life experiences of these people, and, gee, wouldn't it be great to live there? Okay. I will also say that uh, SAGE is embarking on a, um, an initiative to build LGBTQ housing. Um, we are working with a developer right now uh, trying to locate a piece of property uh, that will fulfill all the uh, very rigid requirements for getting uh, affordable housing tax credits. 
but we've been working on this for almost five years now. And um, that's that's my personal dream. Uh, by the time I finish this work, I really would like to see a, a housing, and it probably will be affordable housing, uh, an affordable housing complex built with the intent purpose of making it known that it's LGBT-friendly and anybody can, can live there, but the community itself would know that this is a place they want to be. It's a great cause, and uh, I really hope that we're able to see that to fruition. He's Les Geller, the program coordinator of SAGE Central North Carolina. You can find more information online at lgbtcenterofraleigh.com, lgbtcenterofraleigh.com. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care. Find more about Transitions Life Care online at transitionslifecare.com. Dot org. And don't forget, you can also register for the Caregiver Summit, the virtual Caregiver Summit this year online at caregiversummit.org. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, I'm very excited to talk to our next guest because we're going to be talking about the secret to health and happiness. And I think after this segment, we can just wrap things up. And Well, after that, we need to find Fountain of Youth. <laughs> and it's because you got to stay young to enjoy all that, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> very true. So, uh, Eric, we're putting you on the spot here. We've, we're talking with Eric Avery. He is with Capital Oaks Retirement Resort. He is their senior living consultant. Eric, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. It's my pleasure. I thank you for having me. And, uh, I've been listening over the years to you guys. Well, that's awesome. We'll appreciate that. And, um, you know, we've, we've known each other for quite a while, and I know you do some amazing work in the senior living community, really taking care of those that we, we love so much when we're talking about our older adults and, and really maintaining their safety and independence. And I know this has been an incredibly difficult time for everybody who's worked in um, residential care over the last several months. So first of all, thank you for all that you're doing to keep everybody's spirits lifted oh. during this time. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. And the the title is Secret to Health and Happiness for Seniors. And it was something that I actually done a, I had done a research project last October, and it was sun, centered around socialization and isolation, which <laughs> is amazing now with COVID, how important this is. And what the... Um, one of the things that we do at Capital Oaks Retirement Resort is we, you know, as you know, we're independent living with supportive services available. But one of the key components is that we do a lot to socialization, to get people out and to uh, meet with another. And what the research shows, this was from a um, Journal of Primary Prevention, that they had, they did 77 studies and what they find, found was people who are isolated are 50% higher level of depression. The, uh, actually their cogn- uh, cognitivity 
uh, reduced by 20% faster, and there's a risk of heart disease increased by 29%. It's almost the same as the risk factors for obesity and smoking. Yeah, isolation so is an being inc- isolated is a, is amazing. Uh, the effect that it has on people, and now particularly with COVID, I bet it's so much worse than when I did my study. Yeah, isolation is really one of the prime um, precipitating effects for creating a lot of disease processes for older adults and really, frankly, for anybody, right? I mean, you know. Absolutely. Even if, you know, we have a hurricane and we're all kind of just stuck in our homes for a series of a few days and, you know, you, you already start to feel, my gosh, I'm all closed in. And for a lot of older adults, you know, the four walls, in their home is really all that they see. A lot of times people don't have family coming around. And and unfortunately, um, the way our society has been uh, evolving, we really don't necessarily even check on one another the way it used to be even when I was younger. You would notice if, you know, Mrs. Smith hadn't been out of her home in, you know, a few days and somebody would knock on her door and check on her. Right these days, it seems like people are a lot more private, and and they just really don't even check on one another. So, um, definitely, I think you know another part of all of this has been the COVID nineteen pandemic, and it's been you know actually advised that our most vulnerable population continue to practice even more stringent social um, isolation guidelines uh, or social distancing guidelines versus, you know, the rest of the population. So I can well imagine how difficult that has been for folks that are, are really just even holding on to things like this show or, you know, other TV shows that they watch or even just that occasional phone call that they may get from a loved one, which is why technology has really become incredibly important during this time. No, you're exactly right, and it's just uh, the isolation that occurs. Let me give you an example of, of just one of our residents that uh, came in about two years ago, and her name's Julia, and she was living in her house. Her, her husband had died. She'd been living for 15 years in her house, and she didn't have, she went to church, but she didn't have much other socialization, and she went into a deep depression. I mean, so deep that, you know, she didn't even want to get out of bed. And the family had to intervene. And they uh, had had her, had Julia come join us at Capitol Oaks. And what we did is that, you know, by getting her up and out and meeting with people and going to breakfast and lunch and dinner, and we do exercise classes and art classes and things like that, she really pulled out of it. And it's just one example of of what can happen if you have that uh, that interaction. And there there are several things that people can do that can uh, uh, change this. And obviously, it's it's participating in clubs and churches and being in an active community. Um, also, they said get a pet. <laughs> they said pet owners have less depression and loneliness. So, um, they have more motivation for constructive use of time. So I know um, the, the, the general public has had a overarching concern about uh, older adults, and, and part of that has really been, you know, just some of the things that we've 
seen on media and things of that nature, but people are generally concerned about how older adults are doing in these residential care communities, such as uh, the one that you represent. What are some of the things that are going on on the inside that really aren't getting a lot of attention that are really helping older adults get through this time, especially during that time when families couldn't visit? I know things are starting to loosen up now, but what are some things that really went on to really make sure that the older adults living there didn't feel like they were a ship out at sea? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And what we did, I mean, right now, uh, we did have everyone for two months being in their room and develop and delivering meals and things like that. But what we've slowly done is uh, open up the community so that they can do exercise classes. What we do is that we have put chairs outside their uh, apartments. They come out. We do exercise classes over the loudspeaker. Um, we have social hours. We have uh, uh, everyone has to wear a mask and they have to do social distancing. But we have uh, we provide the beer, the wine, the non-alcohol beverage, and have an entertainer come in, and that happens every Friday. And what we do is we have the chairs uh, separated uh, six feet apart, so we keep everybody uh, apart. We've been we've been having uh, art classes. We have two art classes a week, and they're limited to fourteen people. Again, social distancing. So we've done a lot of a lot of things to bring people out of their rooms and socializing with each other and uh, trying to get back as much to normal as we can. We follow all the CDC guidelines. So, for instance, visitors who come in have to have their temperature taken. They have to have a mask. They have to use hand sanitizer. And so families can come in and visit with their loved ones. Uh, We ask that they not linger in the community areas but go right to the apartment um, and so it's it's getting a lot better uh, we have not had any COVID uh, fortunately and we've just been very careful and in, in ma- making sure that no one comes in the front door and we don't have any back doors all the doors are locked so everybody has to come in through the front door uh, with the servers the employees the uh, delivery people, the mail, even the mail person has to be checked. So uh, those are the kind of things that we're trying to do at Capital Oaks. Well, it really sounds like, you know, you're trying to make some lemonade out of the lemons we've all been dealt this year and certainly appreciate the, the creativity that you all have put into place to make sure that the residents are feeling like the arms of the community are around them and love that you're highlighting the real risks of social isolation. And I would recommend that if anybody knows of an older adult out there in the community, maybe a, a neighbor, you can still practice social distancing and, you know, knock on their door and sort of step back and check on them and see what they need. You know, maybe they just want to have a conversation through a window or, or th- through the open door. Or, uh, and, and, you know, really having that conversation. You know, this is National Suicide Prevention Month, and we do know that older adults are one of the largest populations of annual suicide in this country. So let us not forget how isolating it can be to be older and having a lot of your loved ones pass on before you and your friends. So let us not forget these older adults, especially during the times of the pandemic. 
Yeah, that's very well said, Nicole. Eric, we're just about out of time. I want to let everyone know that if they want to find more information about Capital Oaks Retirement Resort, you can go online to CapitalOaksRetirement.com. Cap- CapitalOaksRetirement.com. He is Eric Avery, the Senior Living Consultant with Capital Oaks Retirement Resort. Eric, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. This is Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. 60 minutes devoted to giving you all the information you need when caring for a loved one with Nicole Cleggett and Jason Kong. Welcome back to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk traffic. Jason Kong here with Nicole Cleggett. And Nicole, we can't go a whole show without talking about the Caregiver Summit, the Virtual Caregiver Summit, which you can find more about online at caregiversummit.org. And uh, registration is uh, is just booming right now. So it's a, a great time for folks to go on and register for free. Oh my gosh, yes. We have over 600 families that have already registered for the virtual summit on October 22nd. So I guess the the saying goes, if you build it, they will come. We are beyond excited. I am incredibly excited to have back with us again this year, one of our co-hosts for the uh, upcoming virtual summit, Lisa Levine with the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina. And she and I are going to tag team and, and hopefully give you all the information that you ever wanted to know about this upcoming event and maybe some you don't want to know, but we're going to tell you anyway. (laughs) Hey, Lisa. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Jason. Thanks for having me. So, yeah, Lisa, boy, we... um, you know, sort of some of the history here. This is our 13th year running of the Caregiver Summit in our community, and it has grown from one very small, locally based event to we've had years where we've done four gigantic, large in person events. But obviously, with the COVID 19 pandemic, we had to reevaluate what we were going to do this year because we can't have groups of people that large together. We usually serve about 1,500 total attendees throughout the course of a year. And that's just not happening or in the cards for 2020. So, um, you know, one of our partners suggested, you know, are, are we selling the caregivers short? Do you think we should try doing a virtual conference? And, you know, all of us came together, the Alzheimer's Association, the Dementia Alliance of North Carolina, Transitions Life Care and Transitions Guiding Lights. And we came together with a resounding, yes, we need to try to do something to help families who are chronically caregiving during COVID, which makes it all the more isolating and all the more um, just restrictive from even being able to touch and feel resources and education. So Lisa, do you want to talk to us a little bit about some of the amazing content we're going to be offering this year? Well, sure, Nicole. It's, you know, you, you've said in the past that we've had up to four conferences, but because we're doing this all through the magic of technology, we can't. We will have more attendees this time than we've ever had at any of our sessions before, any of our summits before, and it's so exciting. We're going to have uh, 20, at least, sessions 
right now, um, which we, this is the most we've ever had. And we have amazing speakers. So I'm so excited about this. We are still going to sort of have a, a format where sessions are an hour long and we will have four groupings of sessions, if you will. Um, but the great thing is once people register for free and access this, they'll have access to all of the sessions for an entire year. Um, and Nicole's gonna, done a great job of working with our speakers and getting them recorded so that we have, um, we've been able to bring what we haven't been able to bring in person uh, this year, which is, you know, it's a sessions. Um, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, you know, one of the things that we had to come together is sort of hearing some of the back, backward, the backroom talk of, of the hosts is, you know, there will be some people that because this is a virtual event may not participate this year. And we, we are obviously sad for that, but we're, we're hoping that we'll, we'll still be able to get them to come along because we're trying to make this very, very easy for people to participate in. But, but there is a, probably a significantly large group of individuals who have never been able to attend an in-person event because of their caregiving responsibilities that will be able to attend this year because it is virtual. And to Lisa's point, you know, we what we ended up doing was we took four conferences worth of content and put it all together to create this one giant epic event. And would you mind just talking about some of the sessions that we're offering? Well, sure. We have back some of our um, most popular speakers. So we have for example, lawyers from Clarity Legal Group um, who are going to talk about all kinds of legal aspects of caregiving. We have um, a title, The Human Spirit, A Journey in Courage, Compassion, and Commitment. Um, who doesn't want to go to a session like that? We've got <laughs> several topics on dementia this year, uh, so we've been able to bring more of those. And we have kind of the things we always touch on because they're always changing. Medicare. Um, caring for the caregiver. Uh, we have one this year on driving, which is so huge when you're a caregiver. And then things like what we should know when we're ready to sell our home and how to downsize and get ready for that process. And technology, um, oh my. <laughs> technology, right, for the caregiver. Which And this technology session is great because it's not only the high-tech stuff, but it's how to use day in and day out. Uh, materials that we might already have in our home as technology. We're also going to talk about medications, family dynamics, which has been huge during this COVID outbreak. Everybody is relearning their families and their roles. And we're also going to do some things to take care of ourselves. We're going to talk about um, balance. We're going to talk about, we're even going to do some dancing this time. How exciting is that? So, um, so many different topics and um, really excited to bring this to everyone. Definitely. And, you know, one of the big considerations we had when we put on this event was the access to resources, right? So educational co content is huge. Families really want to attend these sessions. And oftentimes they're, they're sitting there trying to decide which one out of the grouping they want to go to. So great news is, is this year they can have the entire year to go through them all they want to. Um, so there will not, there will be no, you know, limitations in that. But, you know, we've seen over the years, Lisa, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things that I've noticed is that sometimes family caregivers 
choose to take one of the session times to not actually go to a session, but to actually talk to the exhibitors that are at the event to really learn about the different aspects of community-based care and long-term care and acute care and even what the disease organizations have to offer for their actual loved one. And so when we looked at putting together this virtual event, we really had to find a platform that would be able to house all of this, those exhibitors that are typically at our in-person events. And so we did, we did find that and we're able to do that. And we're going to have over 70 different, 70, 70 different resources there this year where folks will actually be able to attend their virtual booths and talk to the exhibitors if they want to via video chat or email them, call them, text them, read all about them. And then the really cool part is, is that this this platform is going to have a downloadable app on the Apple iTunes store, the Google Play store, and so that you will actually be carrying around in your pocket all of those resources with you for the entire year, and there is no cost. And, you know, typically we do charge for the Caregiver Summit. We charge a nominal fee, but we know that COVID-19 has really brought, brought a lot of financial um, issues for a lot of families in our communities, and so we wanted to remove the financial burden from everyone and, and make that possible for them to attend at no cost. And that would not at all be possible without the amazing support that we have had from our community. I will say, um, I, I'm speaking for myself here, but I'm sure Lisa agrees. I was completely overwhelmed with the resounding support we had from our pre-existing exhibitors and sponsors that were planning on being at our in-person events. They all transferred their dollars over to this virtual event. And we even picked up some amazing new sponsors, resources for seniors, and the North Carolina Family Caregiver Supports Program have come on as our underwriting sponsor. And then, of course, we have back again this year as presenting sponsors, Clarity Legal Group and AARP, and then Wisdom Senior Care, an in-home care-based company, has come on board as a presenting sponsor as well. So putting on these events is not without cost, and these organizations stepped forward and said, hey, we want this to happen for our community and made it so that we could provide this. You're so right, Nicole. And, you know, I don't think there's anywhere else in the triangle that you can put all of this information and have it right there in your pocket and have it right there accessible. And like you said, you know, some people don't come to this for the session. Some people come to this for the resources. And they know if they don't need the resource now, they're going to need that down the road. We've had so many of our caregivers attend and say, oh, my neighbor needed this, and I connected with them with someone I met at the summit. And, and I didn't know I would need this, but later on, you know, mom needed some changes in her home, and mm -hmm. I was able to help her find those. So um, it's an amazing, amazing experience, and I'm so excited that we're able to do this for our caregivers, you know, many of whom are struggling right now through COVID. There's a lot of added stress, and we're able to take that away, um, at least for this summit with these resources and this education. It really is impressive what you all have been able to uh, uh plan here in just a matter of months. I mean, obviously, uh, five or six months ago, we weren't thinking about this. This wasn't on, on the radar, but it is uh, truly spectacular. And you can go online to caregiversummit.org. This is taking place Thursday, October 22nd. As we've said, it's free to register. Go to caregiversummit.org.
org. Lisa, thank you as always for joining us. She is Lisa Levine, Director of Education with Dementia Alliance of North Carolina. Lisa, we, we look forward to the, the point when we can have you back here in the studio. We, we miss seeing you. Miss seeing you both. Thank you so much for doing this. We appreciate it. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. We are out of time for today. We hope you will join us again next Saturday at 4 o'clock for Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you, a service of Transitions Life Care. It's your life, your care on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF News Talk Traffic. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to Aging Matters, care and comfort that surrounds you on FM 98.5 AM 680 WPTF. For more information, log on to transitionslifecare.org.